you know, I'm not feeling the love. They don't seem excited to see me and you. <laughs> I feel like there's like someone else that they're expecting to come out. Yes, yeah, I, 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 you know. I don't know what's the problem here. All right. Well, hey, guys, good morning. Let's give a warm welcome to our senior pastor, Scott Savage. Cool. So cool. Thank you guys. But you got to call the elephant in the room because, you know, Scott, it was supposed to be a surprise <laughs> on the shirt deal. And I'm not sure exactly how that happened, whether there was a leak or whether. No, so uh, I, I wore this shirt on my anniversary trip to Puerto Rico and uh, I liked it so much. Danny's like, you should just wear that for your first Sunday back. And so, uh, so I walked in this morning and I discovered that I. Uh, guess I ruined the surprise. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, that's all good. That's great. Well, it's great to have you. Thanks. It's Absolutely. great to be, uh, be here this morning. You know, Scott, one of the things that stood out to me, uh, we had 12 great speakers, right, uh, that, uh, during the time frame, and it was awesome uh, for us. The best one's sitting um, right here, right? There we go. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, but, you know, one of the things that stood out is as they kind of came out and they spoke, in the very, very beginning, each one of them spoke about how appreciative they were to even, you know, us as a church, right, to give this opportunity, this sabbatical piece. And, mm-hmm. and really you could sense the, you know, again, kind of the, the meaningfulness like of why and how important it was. So I thought that was a really neat deal. And I don't know if that transitions kind of a thought and maybe as you went out and, 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 and maybe a sense or a greater sense of gratitude that was there. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I was grateful before it even started because I, I had a sense of what it might mean. You know, I sent Pastor Josh on sabbatical in 2018 and then Pastor Clovis in 2019 and then Pastor Jamie in 2020. So, like, I got to experience all of their kind of debriefs and see their experiences. So I just was grateful for the opportunity. But, of course, the opportunity is different than the experience. Yeah. Um, and so I feel a little bit like I'm at an award show today, you know, <laughs> and uh, I just have a, a super long list of, mm. of people to thank. Um, but, I, I mean, I... I like to think that I'm good with my words, Mm. but there is no way in words that I could convey my gratitude. Mm. Um, I I got a gift um, that was truly life-changing. And I, um, you know, I don't know what the future holds, um, but it's hard for me to imagine what the future would have been like if I had not had this time. Mm. Um, And so I'm grateful that our church had this policy, you know, long before we ever met, you yep. were on the hiring committee, yep. um, you know, when I started, you know, to, to have this policy um, and have this principle. And as you're on sabbatical, you meet people and they say, hey, what are you doing? And, um, you know, it is not an uncommon thing to have a sabbatical policy, but it's not the norm. Yep. And most of the time when you go on sabbatical, it's either because you screwed up uh, um, and, and they're like, okay, go away. It's kind of a punishment. Or it's a reaction, like, hey, take a sabbatical because otherwise you're going to have to leave. Yeah. Um, and so for it to be proactive um, and for it to be intentional, I just, feel, um, I just feel tremendous gratitude for. So the staff, the elders, people who stepped up, um, I heard giving went up even though I left. So that, that's great to hear. Um, you know, so. And this time it wasn't. Chris couldn't, couldn't no, claim Chris, the week Chris that couldn't claim credit so. for that. Um, but I just, you know, I just feel so, so grateful. Mm. We'll talk today about some of the things that happened and I learned, but I just, yeah, the, the main thing is I sat down this week to go, what am I going to say? Yeah. The first word that came to mind was gratitude. I just yeah. feel tremendous gratitude. Can you describe, I'm just curious if there was like a moment or some point in which maybe 
it kind of really hit. I mean, sometimes those are things. Yeah, so um, so we celebrated 15 years of marriage this summer, mm, uh, which wow. is awesome. So. And, um, and so we went to Puerto Rico, and so we were, we, were sitting, um, we were sitting, I think, on the beach one day, and it was, you know, I didn't have my phone, I got off social media for that period, um, and I just felt, like, completely at rest. Mm. Um, and it had been a long time since I had been that completely at rest. Wow. Um, and had been completely present where my feet were. Um, and, and so that, that, that week, um, it was the best trip Danny and I've ever had together. Um, and I just felt so, um, so rested on that trip. Mm -hmm. I felt so, uh, peaceful. Um, you know, when you're on a vacation going, Hey, could we buy a place here? Um, <laughs> could we, could we make this like our spot? Um, was just, was just so, so good. And, and, and the beach has always been my place. Mm -hmm. Um, the, just the water just is, is restorative for me. And so just knowing, knowing that I felt complete trust that everything here was okay. Um, and then, and just being fully present there and allowing that to, to re refuel and, and restore me was just, you know, that was, I, I was on sabbatical before that, but that's really where I think I'm, for the first point, sabbatical started moving even deeper into rest. Mm. So. Wow, that's great. So, yeah. That's great. Very cool. So, and I, I think the other part that was helpful for that um, was that I was hoping that I was having an experience there, but you guys were having an experience here. Mm. Um, you know, so often what happens is that churches go through pastoral transition and then everybody kind of freaks out because they're like the person left that I was attached to mm. what's going to happen to us and during that experience and I, I've been through that multiple times um, in a previous church you discover that you're going to be okay you know like your spiritual um, stability doesn't depend on a person mm -hmm. uh, it depends on Jesus who is the cornerstone and so often it takes a church going through uh, like either somebody leaving suddenly or some sort of, you know, moral failure or compromise to discover that resiliency. And one of the things I started thinking about in sabbatical was I think that sabbatical is like an opportunity to develop that resiliency. Because, yeah. you know, the sense was, okay, Scott's coming back. This is not permanent. But it was a chance to kind of develop that. And, and I, I read some of the resiliency on my sabbatical. And, and resiliency doesn't mean that you're just strong. It doesn't mean that you're just like an incredibly strong person. When you are resilient or you're in a relationship that's resilient, what that means is that you're able to repair after there's been tearing or breaking. And so the most resilient things are not the things that are untested. Mm. The resilient things are the things that actually have been tested, have been broken, and then have been re-repaired. And in that place, they're even stronger because of repair. It's like when you, you broke your um, arm, you tore your bicep yep, a bicep. couple years ago, you know? And so the idea is that after it has been broken, it can become even stronger in its place. And so my hope was, and maybe you guys can speak to this because I've yeah. not been here, not watched my sermons once. I've popped on the cornerstone. Instagram page. My wife has looked on my shoulder. She goes, <clears throat> and so I'm back to another page. Um, you know, I'm not perfect, uh, but but I my hope was that there was a resiliency growing here that that I don't want this place to be built on me because I don't want that weight. Yeah. Um, but also, like I hope that it was a chance for the church to develop some strength that maybe it didn't know it had. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think one of the areas that I saw of the resiliency was how well our staff did. They yes. stepped up. They did a phenomenal job throughout this. And, um, yeah, we, 
There were some times as elders we were, you know, asking some questions or needing, mm -hmm. hey, is this area? And they just jumped all over it and did a phenomenal job throughout. Um, so you should be proud of every one of them. I mean, we knew we had a fantastic staff. I mean, but I think these are those times, to your point of resiliency, when that rising up, mm -hmm. right, that really comes in and uh, just incredible across the board. And I think you already kind of shared, right, the thunder about, you know, giving coming up. And I think that speaks to all of us, right, um, the congregation and each of you guys um, in participation, coming in, really gelling, giving strong, um, so and, and answering that call, that challenge that was there. So I think yeah. overall it was a it was a big it was a big deal. I mean, I, awesome. I did I did run into somebody who told me that they weren't coming because I wasn't here, and I was like, <laughs> well, get back there, um, you know. But I was grateful. Um, I was grateful yeah. walking this morning, and, and I heard that because um, it just it speaks to you know um, before I got here, mm -hmm. one of the things that drew me to Cornerstone was it was not built in a personality. Yes. And one of the things I hoped during sabbatical was it was reminded people, hey. We are cornerstone. We are not built on the cornerstone of me. Mm -hmm. We are built on the cornerstone of Jesus. And I won't always be the lead pastor here, but Jesus will always be on the throne. So Amen. let's build our life on him. Amen. Yeah. So, you know, the... Um just daily life, we're focused so much on the tyranny of the urgent. Yeah. Um, the next step that must be done. And when you're pastoring, there's always things every week. You're on oh, a yeah. weekly cycle. Sunday's always coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, plus, you have kids, you have a wife, you have all of that. So, to be able to back up and get a sense of perspective can be tough yeah. in regular daily living. Um, part of the gift of sabbatical can be the opportunity to get some perspective. Did Absolutely. you find that as part of your sabbatical? Were you able to? I I did. I mean, it, it definitely was like you don't start day one and you just flip a switch. Um, nobody drives stick anymore. Does anybody here have a car that has stick shift? Raise your hand. Oh, go. wow. There's actually some decent pay. <laughs> nice. um, my, my, I, was, I was texting with a friend last night. He, he was going to let his friend drive his car somewhere, and his friend got in there, and he'd never driven stick before. And he goes, is there like a button that I push? And he's like, get out of here. I'm driving, you know? Um, so it, it's a little bit, you know, I didn't grow up driving stick. Luckily, Danny had a, a Civic that was about to fall apart, and so she let me learn how to drive stick when we first started dating. Um, that was kind of the, our first test in that relationship was her teaching me that. <laughs> but, but when you drive stick, like, you have to downshift. And I, I was in fifth year when I left. You know, I was, I was going and, you know, I wasn't redlining, but I was on my way there. And so it was a bit of, like, the first couple weeks down from five to four to three to two to one. And, and so it took some time to, to just settle in. Um, but there was a moment, I, uh, I'm a big movie guy, and the movies is coming up, and I'm excited about that. But, but I, I went and got a movie at the library, because um, I went online, and it was more than I wanted to pay to get it. And so I got it at the library, and it came on DVD. And so one, it was like a three-hour movie, so I had to watch it in chunks. Um, and so I came back one day to hit pause, and I was like probably from me to the edge of the stage, not half that distance from the TV, and it just looked, it looked pixelated, you know, it didn't look good. Um, and I was like, this is, is this like a broken DVD or something? And so then I stepped back and I sat back on my couch, and it looked, it looked clear. And, and that to me was a moment that I kind of got a metaphor for what was happening as I was going through sabbatical. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't that I, I couldn't see, it was that I was too close to some things to see. And that once I stepped back, things, things got new clarity. And so um, I would say that, that the speed helped and the distance helped to be able to see clearly. You know, there's a, a verse um, 
you guys didn't just come to church to hear me. You came to hear God's word. So um, if you have your Bibles in, in Psalm 46, there's this really well-known hallmark um, cross-stitch verse um, that I think sometimes we're, we're familiar with that we think we know what it means, but we actually don't. Um, in Psalm 46, 10, um, like the most famous version of it is be still and know that I am God. But that's, that's, that, that fails to represent the full picture. Um, in my translation, the CSB, it says stop your fighting and know that I am God. Um, and I, I didn't do great in Hebrew in seminary, Chris, but I, I did learn enough that at one point I discovered that the, the Hebrew words that we translate be still or stop fighting, it's a word picture um, that represents striving or like kind of reaching for it. And so the way it was taught to me is that it's basically like you, you have your, your fists clenched and you unclench your fists. You cease striving. And then the word and there is not like just connecting the two. It's, it's actually like moving from one to the other. So another way to translate this verse is cease striving so that or in order to know that I am God. And so what happened for me over these 12 weeks at multiple points was that I, I downshifted to first gear, I slowed down, I, I unclenched my fist, I took a, a deeper breath than I've taken in a really long time, and as a result, that ceasing introduced me to a moment where I got to experience God in a way that I hadn't. Wow. And, and I know not everybody has an opportunity um, to take three months off. That that's a rarity. Mm-hmm. And it's a rarity for me. I'm not going to have this again for years and years and years. Um, but, but what happened to me, I think, is something that we, I think, all need at points, is just to stop white-knuckling life. Um, to stop trying to control everything and maybe everyone and to take a breath and be present enough in a surrendered state that you can know that God is actually God. Because sometimes when you're so close and you're going so fast, you don't intend to, but you're operating like you're God. And when you finally stop and, and you go, I'm going to let that thing go on, I'm not going to watch not going to check my email. Uh, I'm going to delete all the elders' updates when they do come in my email. Um, I'm going to. I'm not going to go on the social media. I'm not going to open up the YouTube page. I, I, I had to open my hands to do that. And once I did that, I discovered a new level of awareness that God really is God. And the next verse says, "And so He is exalted among the nations. He's exalted among the earth." And, and I just had a chance to recognize that God really is that big and he really is that powerful. And, and by doing that, I was giving him an opportunity to care for the church and say, hey, God, I've been doing my best to care for her. You've been caring for her all along, so I'm going to step away and, and you're going to do mm-hmm. that. So that was one of the big takeaways was um, just the importance of perspective and then figuring out now, okay, as I step back in, what are the practices and what are the habits that I can develop that continue to give me an opportunity to do that 
when I'm not taking a sabbatical. Yeah, that'd be the interesting next step is how do we all build that into our routines, yeah. mm -hmm. whether weekly routine or through vacations or other things of being able to pr I mean, practice that, what you're saying. That is essentially what Sabbath is. Yes. You know, sabbatical is an extended version of Sabbath. And, and I think that that commandment is probably the most broken commandment. Um, and so I would just say, like, you can't all take a sabbatical, but we can all practice Sabbath. And the thing about Sabbath is that it reorients all the rest of your days. When you have a day that you can't work and you can't check your phone, or maybe you're not going to spend money that day, it requires you in all the other days to do the things that are necessary to actually rest on that day. And then it begins to affect the days after because you're kind of living out of that rest. Um, an interesting thing, if you've never noticed this, the very first day that Adam was alive was not a day of work. It was a day of rest. Hmm. God created him to not work so that he could rest. He rested, and then from that rest, he worked. And so we're not created to be human, you know, doings. We're created to be human beings, and out of our being and our rest with God, we're created to work. So, um, so yeah, I think that's where part of me is just restoring some Sabbath practices that had kind of gotten, you know, lost along the way. Yeah, very good. Um, the busyness of life can interfere with some things. And one that I was thinking about is we experience grief regularly. There's the events that, that should cause grief or lead us towards grief. Um, and when we're busy in life, we might not... Um, experience that as much as we should or really be able to focus on the grief. Um, the last few years, there's been lots of things that could lead towards grief. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, did, did your sabbatical give you any sense of grief, of being able to grieve, of being able to focus on themes like that? Yeah, you know, there's, um, there's a, a ministry coach that I've not used, but a friend of mine has used. And this coach said, ministry is a series of ungrieved losses. Mm -hmm. um, and I've heard that quote, you know, on and off again for probably 10 years. Um, I'm not sure that I ever necessarily connected with it personally as much as I have in the last three years. Um, I spent a lot of time in therapy in the last year. I, I, I told my therapist, um, I said, you do realize we spent 25 hours together on my sabbatical. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah I've seen you a lot. Um, you're welcome for the checks. Um, but but that, that, those experiences and then a retreat that I went on in May just began to open up for me that um, I'm not sure I let myself go there to the degree that I could have. I try not to use the word should because I don't want to shame myself um, in ways that are unhelpful. But, but grief is an important human thing that I don't think I really like. Um, I don't think I like going there. And, and there's probably some people in here who are like, nope, I don't either. Um, and there's a reason why. It's hard. I mean, think about the, gr grief involves, these are the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, a lot of us don't like to get angry or deal with our anger, and a lot of us don't like to do things that feel depressing. Um, and, so, and so for me, what the experiences that I had when other people were facilitating for me, either my therapist or this retreat that I was on, I kind of wasn't in charge of the experience. I mean, they weren't making me grieve, but they were giving me invitations to pay attention to that. And, um, and so I 
started reflecting on and, you know, what's the last few years included, and you start digging in and you start making notes and you're like, oh, there's, there's a lot of grief here. You know, there's, there's pain. I mean, uh, I, I've been serving churches for 17 years. The last three years have by far been the most brutal of those 17. Um, and, and you start going back and you start listing the experiences and, and there are things that, that were losses. Hmm. And what do you do with losses? Well, you have to grieve them. You know, if you don't grieve them, then you just kind of ignore them and then you keep going on and it's affecting you and everybody else, but you're not admitting it. And so um, I, I think that quote, ministry is a series of ungrieved losses, could be rewritten that life is a series of ungrieved losses. Hmm. Um, and what I've discovered as a pastor, when I meet people who aren't grieving but should be, is that when you don't grieve, it's kind of like pushing a beach ball down underwater that it's going to come out, but it's probably going to come out sideways. And so if you don't grieve, it's, it's basically saying, I'm not going to do this, but you're going to pay the price. You're welcome. You know? Um, and, and so for me, I was working with my therapist recently. He said, you know, grief is a little bit like when you get congested, like when you get allergies or you get a cold and you're just stopped up. And to grieve is to get decongested. It's to, it's to let it all out. You know, and, and if you don't get decongested, you get those crazy sinus headaches. I mean, there's pain that comes from not attending to that grief. Um, so, yeah, so I, I cried more on sabbatical than I've cried in a, a long time. Um, I, I, I got angry um, in some ways that I think were, were helpful. Um, you know, I went, through it, I went through a really meaningful experience uh, on, on a retreat with my therapist um, in, in a graveyard and, 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 and literally buried some things that, that needed to be let go of and laid to rest. Um, and so, so, you know, you may not have come in a Hawaiian shirt <laughs> expecting me to talk about grief, but I, I would just say, like, if you're not grieving, you're paying the price. The people around you are paying the price. And what happened to you is going to keep impacting you and holding you back. Mm. And so grieving is a way actually, you tell yourself, I'm not going to grieve so I can hold on to the past. But actually what happens is when you don't grieve, it holds you captive. You can't mm -hmm. move forward. And so I would just um, encourage you to, to, to spend some time, if you've not grieved recently, to start asking yourself, what's happened to me? What have I lost? What is hurt? And, and maybe how do I need to start paying attention to grief? You know, in Isaiah, it says that Jesus was well acquainted with grief. Hmm. Not like he went there like on a short vacation, you know? <laughs> like, like he spent so much time there. He knew it so well. And if Jesus is our model, and he is, that means we should become well acquainted with grief too. That doesn't mean you have to be morose or sad or just, you know, you know, you're Eeyore, you know, from Winnie the Pooh all the time. But, but actually, you know, people who, who can't go down there, I think, to grief, I think what happens is you can't go up there to joy. And you end up just kind of living, living below. And so, um, yeah, there was just a lot of, there was a lot of grieving. And I think, I think I'm still working through some of that. That, that's, you know, the perspective stuff, I think that was a, a moment for sabbatical, I think, um, and to continue that practice. 
I think there's still some grieving that I'm, I'm working my way through um, that I'll continue. So. Yeah, so do you hope that that will change your week-to-week living, your month-to-month living, that a focus on grief is going to help you to be a healthier person? Yeah, I, I, my hope is, is that when something happens, I won't have to wait years to go, oh, that hurt. I probably should spend some time, you know, um, because I think for some of us, we just go, ow, and then we move on. Yeah. You know, um, I, I took a baseball. I played baseball as uh-huh. in, in, in high school. I took a baseball one time off of my middle finger. Like I was second baseman. The ball came in my glove, and my hand somehow made it in my glove before the ball. And so the ball hit me right on the end of my um, index finger on my right hand. And um, I was like, ow, ow, that hurts. And I was shaking it off. I looked down, and my whole uniform was covered in blood. Um, I mean, it was just, it was bad. My mom had a real Dickens of a time, you know, bleaching that out later and trying to get my stuff clean. Um, and I realized, like, I, I was just planning to shake it off and move on, but, but I couldn't. You know, I ended up having to have surgery on that finger. My finger was broken. It was a long recovery. And I think sometimes that's how my tendency has been to deal with grief, is just to shake it off and then move on. And, and I think now it's going, hey, like, greet, you probably should get that looked at. You probably should give that some, some rest. You probably should work on that. Because um, throwing a baseball with three fingers is really hard, <laughs> especially when you're missing that middle finger. Um, and I tried for a while to do that, and it just, I lost all the power in my throws. Um, and so my, my hope is, is, is not that I'm going to become just somebody who's down all the time, but that I will let myself go down mm. when yeah. I need to so that I can grieve that and then move forward. So. Yeah, and I'm impressed that as a high schooler, all you said was, ow, yeah. when that happened. No doubt. That's, that's impressive alone. But you went to a Christian school, so. No, I, 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 yeah. I, I mean, there were other times I didn't say ow, but that, that definitely was the time I did, so. Um, sabbatical, when you think of it, can be a time where you can focus attention on things that you wouldn't focus normally. Yeah. Um, you, you've got so much to do in daily living that you can't give attention to other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. During sabbatical, you're not focusing on the job. You're not focusing on things like that. Mm-hmm. So you can move your attention to something else. Mm-hmm. Were there things you were able to pay attention to? Were there things that you were able to focus on that you were grateful to be able to do so? Yeah, I mean, I think I was able to, to give my attention to my family in a way that um, was even more than normal. Um, you know, I, I pre-sabbatical would have told you, yeah, I'm really attentive. Yeah, I'm really engaged. Um, and I'm not sure I'm, I can even answer that well. You know, you'd have to have Danny or my kids up here. Um, but because it was summer and my kids got out of school about two weeks before I got out of sabbatical, um, you know, like there was just a ton of time mm. to give them attention. Um, and I was, I was in the backyard working on something the first week. I was on sabbatical and I was listening to a podcast and this pastor was talking about Moses, which piqued my interest because we just did a series right before I left sabbatical mm-hmm. about Egypt and Exodus. And so I was like, okay, what did I forget to say that I probably should? <laughs> and he talked about that in Exodus 3, it says that um, when the burning bush happens, that, that Moses turned aside um, to the bush. And then the ne- very next verse, it says, when God saw that Moses turned aside to look, he spoke. Um, and the person who was speaking said, I've spent a large part of my life asking God to pay attention to me. 
And in this recent season, I'm discovering that God has been the one waiting for me to give him my attention. Um, and, and so it just was this invitation at the beginning of my sabbatical. It was like, Scott, like, give God your attention. Um, and then pretty soon later, it was like, hey, and your, your wife and your kids probably deserve the extra attention you have. And so, um, you know, one of, the, one of the really encouraging things that happened is we have a big, during COVID, because everything was so crazy, we got a big um, whiteboard calendar for our kitchen, and we have all the dates up there. And they're, they're on our phones, but sometimes just seeing it all there mm -hmm. is good. Um, and so uh, when it got to July was ending, we put August up there, you know, somebody wrote, I think it was me or, either me or Danny, like my first day back was today. <laughs> and our kids will have fun coming by later with the, the dry erase markers and writing their own notes on there, like birthday, donut day, you know, they'll put the different things on there. And so I don't know who's, who wrote it, but I came by it one day and I stopped because it said August 6th dad's first day back, and then above it, it said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, to me, felt so good mm. um, that, you know, as a parent, you're always reminded of your failures. Yeah. Um, and it was like, okay, I, I did something right, <laughs> that one of my kids is sad, you know, <laughs> that this is ending. And I, I figured out who it was, and I said, why did you write now? And I said, well, because you just, we've done so many fun things together, and you've had more time, and um, and so, you know, I just felt like this was a season that I wanted to pay attention to that. Um, but there was also a Sunday morning um, that I was out. The family came to church. I, was, I went out for a walk. And one of our neighbors, he has like an, a beautiful yard. I mean, he just, he's amazing with gardening. Um, like I walked past his backyard. I kind of want to like pop over, look over his fence, you know, because I can, I can hear a fountain back there. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I, I like to, you know, be back there. And so I was walking past and along this wall, he has just all these beautiful rose bushes. And this was back like in May, which is, you know, peak rose bush time in, in Prescott. And, and I passed his roses and then I go, why did I just rush past his roses? Like, I have nowhere to be. You know, it's Sunday. I'm not preaching, you know, like there's, there's nothing else. And so I just, I walked back and I like just, I smelled, I literally stopped and smelled the roses, <laughs> which I know is about I as like it. cliche as you can get. Um, but, but that, I, I've walked past those roses so many times. Yeah. I've driven past those roses thousands of times maybe, <laughs> um, but I've never stopped to smell them. Um, and if you have your Bibles, um, in, in Matthew 6, I, I listened to the Gospels a couple times through this summer. Um, and in Matthew 6, the, the, the title for the section beginning in verse 25 is called The Cure for Anxiety. Now, Jesus did not say that. That's a Bible editor. So that, that's not inspired. Um, but it's interesting. And there Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns that your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field and how they grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. That was the roses kind of aha. Uh -huh. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? 
So don't worry saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I just, I just found that as, as I paid attention, and so like it wasn't that, that wasn't the only time I, I stopped to spill the roses on, on the sabbatical. As I paid attention to this little tiny rose, or as I'd walk through my wife's garden, which is amazing in its own right, I, I, would, I would find that paying attention to those little, small, insignificant things actually reoriented and reshaped the way I saw everything else. Mm. Um, and, and my friend Paul Angone has got a great book called Listen to Your Day. And he says in that book that we, we use that phrase, pay attention. Like you tell your kids, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. He goes, but think about it. He said, what does that mean? You're giving your attention to someone or something like you would your money. Like they now call this world the attention economy, you know, your cell phone, your social media, Netflix, Amazon, like people make money off of our attention, Mm -hmm. billions and billions of dollars. And and yet many times we give our attention to all the wrong things and we pay more than we realize. And so I just am in this season where I'm going, hey, I want to be much more intentional about my intention and and I want to give my attention to the things that help me see God differently. Um, and so I'm not becoming a bird watcher. Um, not that that's a bad thing if you are. Um, and, and my wife will remain the gardener because she has the green thumb and I don't. But I just have become much more appreciative of those things because I found that as I attend to them and give them my attention, that it helps me to understand God's love and care for me differently. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a big yeah. lesson coming out of this time. And you mentioned how you did something well in terms of your parenting and, and paying attention with your family. Um, from my side, you do so many things well. Yes. And I miss you as my pastor. I miss you as my friend throughout mm. this time. And yes. I'm grateful for you and all that you do well. Um, Absolutely. So um, welcome back. Well, I'm thanks. glad to have thanks. you here. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, um, I know that you know, some of you came, you don't even know me. You started coming in the last 12 <laughs> weeks. Like, who is this guy? Um, you know, uh, and I think, you know, I, I wanted to share because you guys gave me such a huge gift to go. But I, I wanted to hopefully share some things with you that, that meet you where you are. You know, I didn't want this to be like the Scott show. Hey, Scott, come tell us about your time and make it all about me. But I, I really just think that, that, that God is deserving of our attention. Mm-hmm so much more maybe than we even realize. Um, and, and if we will pay attention to all the ways that he cares for all these small things, then we'll recognize that, that he loves us and he cares about us and he's intimately involved with our lives, maybe to degrees we don't even realize. And, and so much of our worrying and our anxiousness, and, and I as a pastor, I thank you for the compliment, but all too often I, I think I take on things that aren't my job to carry. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're not my, my place to do. Yeah. Um, and, and when I do that, what happens is I, I forget that God loves Cornerstone more than me. Mm. You know, you love having me as your pastor. And much as I love you, God loves you more. Yes. As much as I want to see you become everything God made you to be, the God who made you to be all those things is much more committed to that than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the same thing for all of you. Mm. And, and so I, I hope 
you know, that, that you feel my appreciation today, but I hope also that you recognize that, that you may not go on sabbatical, but some of the things that I experienced, you may actually need in, in smaller and more ongoing ways. Um, and I hope that's been encouraging. So. Yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. Some great, great nuggets, I think, for each of us. And as Chris, you know, was asking in terms of how can we put them into practice in day, daily or weekly or um, different rhythms that are there. You know, um, calling out maybe even the elephant, right? I think some of us that may have experienced, um, you know, pastors going on sabbatical and when they return, it, it almost is kind of the, the preview to uh, to okay, moving on type situation. So can you share with us maybe what, what maybe reflection-wise or, you know, from that standpoint of what's next for Scott? Well, it, it's not anywhere else. So <laughs> we can just kind of settle that really quickly. Um, you know, I, I really sense that God is not done with me here at Cornerstone. I, mm-hmm. I came here, my, my, my seventh anniversary was July 10th. Um, and so it's crazy that seven years have already flown by, but I just, I just sense that there in the next, you know, year, two, three years, mm. that there are some really important steps that Cornerstone is going to take that I think um, are really the culmination of the journey that I've been on Cornerstone for seven years. And yes. so I'm excited to see those. Um, I'm really excited for, at the movies. I worked really hard before I left. Part of why I was so tired was pushing through to get that done. Um, so I'm really excited for the next three weeks. And so I'm sure the team's already been talking about this, but I'd really encourage you to invite your friends and family for the next three Sundays. They're going to be really, really meaningful and great opportunities for people to hear the gospel. Um, but I'm also excited to not just do business as usual. Um, I think there are some things that God's convicted me of that I want to steward well. And so I would just say, if you see me, um, just be patient. I've been in first year, um, and you don't get from first year to fifth year without destroying your engine if you do it quickly. So just give me some patience. Um, but I have some things that I'm going to be working on adjusting um, because you don't take 12 weeks off and come back without seeing some things that you want to do differently, most importantly, in my own life. Yeah. Uh, most importantly in who I am and how I lead and how I work. And so um, I'm really excited. Um, I had uh, hung out with a buddy of mine this week, and I, I, I seen him back in June. We hadn't seen each other in a few, several weeks. He said, you look lighter. Mm. And that just means the biggest compliment, you know? Um, so I, I feel lighter. Um, uh, I feel rested. Um, I'm not sure I feel ready to go. <laughs> um, but, you know, life is full of moments when you're not ready to go, but you go anyway. Yes. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for what's ahead. And, and I'm just grateful to see the ways that people have stepped up. I don't want to take their spotlight. So mm-hmm. you can talk to the staff, you know. I'm going to keep pushing the staff forward because yes. they've taken big steps. And, um, you know, uh, I'm grateful for the board. Um, you know, I didn't see a lot of the board, but I, get to, I did get to be with Harv. We had an 80th surprise birthday for Harv this summer, <laughs> and it pulled yes. it off. Um, and so just grateful for our leadership, you guys, Harv, Jim. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I'm excited for what's next. I don't know all that it includes, but um, I'm excited to be a part of it. That's awesome. Well, to, to Chris's point, I think uh, shares our sentiments, I think, for myself, I think for all of us. We miss you. It's exciting to have you back, and uh, we're really encouraged and, and ready to rock. So yeah. thank you for sharing insights that came from a sabbatical piece. I'm sure we'll hear more Absolutely. as it'll weave into oh, yeah. other uh, messages that, uh, that the Lord has for us. So just want to thank you for yeah. that. And I think it's a great opportunity for us all to just, you know, welcome Scott back. And again, thank him. Uh, for uh, investing in yourself. And and again, just we're excited. Yeah, thank thank you guys. Appreciate it.
Well, I'm going to pray for us. I know we have communion coming, so we're going to let you do something official here yep. <laughs> and, and lead that in a second, but let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the church that's meeting in so many places throughout the world right now. Thank you for Cornerstone Church and the opportunity that we have to be part of a church family and to be able to gather and to worship you and to serve our community, to be for Prescott for the world, to um, the, the gift that you've given us to be able to be part of this. Thank you for the time that Scott was able to have away. Thank you for the insights that you've built into his heart and his mind. And we pray for this coming time that he'll be able to um, implement those into his life in ways that will allow him to be healthier and healthier day by day. Mm. And thank you for um, his focus on that and how it impacts all of us as we seek to, to do those same things. Thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you for an exciting opportunity to welcome him back. And um, we anticipate what you're going to do in the future. You are so great. We love you, God. In your name, amen. Amen.